Welcome to Season 2 of Voices of Value, a conversation between Peter Kakos and Rick Rushton and their high-achieving guests from professional sport, Olympians, business leaders and ordinary people with value hacks to share through simple life lessons. If you're keen to reach your next level personally and professionally, sit back and join the conversation with your hosts, Rick and Peter. Welcome to Voices of Value with my good friend Peter Kakos, Rick Rushton here. Pete, a big week in AFL circles. It's AFL Grand Final Week and uh, neither your side nor my side are actually participating, but it doesn't mean we can't just get into the AFL spirit. Look, absolutely, and it doesn't mean we can just uh, just gloss over the fact of uh, what happened on Saturday night either, Rick. It's, okay, thank you. You've yeah. been up and about during the finals. and uh, uh, yep. yep. Let's just say that Saturday night didn't go to plan. No, you don't win them on paper. That's what I've learnt, and, and certainly not on Saturday night because if it was on paper, it would have been mulch by the end. It was just so wet. But anyway, no, it didn't go that well. Was, was, that, was that the first That's excuse? That's it. That's it. Yeah, the weather. <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't go too much in oh, but um, I felt like lovely. now, but we will throughout the uh, yeah, no doubt. course because we've got on. some absolute AFL royalty with us, um, elite sports people is um, is uh, is who we love, and I, I can think of no one better to share grand final week with us here at Voices of Value than this this gentleman to uh, my right, yeah, and the your pe- left, the people's champion. Let's be candid. You know, Bob Murphy is a name that's synonymous with the AFL. It's around this time of the year too, if we remember, not that long ago, when the Western Bulldogs finally saluted after a very long drought in an AFL premiership, which we want to touch on uh, because uh, this man was a little bit of part of controversy based on how it all went in relation to the celebrations. But you know, for those who do follow AFL, and we are very AFL centric this time of the year. Yeah, Bob Murphy played over 300 excellent games, and I think you, you're going to do a, a much better introduction than me. Um, he's just a, a friend. You can sort of do it from the, the standpoint of your research, Pete. Well, 312 games um, and a veteran of the Western Bulldogs. He was picked up in 99 at pick 13. Unlucky the, for some. Yeah. yeah, unlucky for some, but it was certainly uh, very lucky for you because it was uh, such a stellar career. But I'm looking forward to tapping into a lot of things today because um, one being probably the, the single most – um, heartfelt moment ever on a sporting field, I think, happened to Bob Murphy, and it wasn't actually in the um, in the act of play at all. So we'll get to that that particular moment, but certainly want to tap into the the leadership side of Bob Murphy and the and the elite athlete um, that you were, and you know you're still only 37 years of age, which is mm-hmm. um, which is quite phenomenal. You're still a very very young man. And um, and still, you know, so much to give in 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 the football circles. Maybe not so much on the arena now, but I don't know. Could come no, back? No, no, no. <laughs> no you were right the first time. He's, he's a spent force, Bob. Welcome to Voices of Value, and thanks for the uh, the gift of your time. And what is a busy week for you? Because you're on the air. You're a uh, an yes. expert on SEN. You're on uh, Fox Footy. There's a lot of uh, there's there's a lot of loose there. language on this podcast. Yeah, that's right. Football royalty got thrown in there. Now <laughs> we've got the expert. The sort expert. Of, yeah, that's how I'll we take, roll. Yeah, no. We're, thanks, thanks so much for having me. It's a, it's a, it's an honour to sit with the, sit with you two fine gentlemen. So there's a fun story about how we first met, Pete. But uh, I got asked to do a talk at the uh, Western Bulldogs by then uh, incumbent coach Peter Road, who was a, who was a bit of a. Uh, you know, a bit of a holding pattern at the end of one season and then got the gig later on. That's something that's happened a lot this year in the AFL, as we, as we know, with Brett Ratton and obviously with Reese Shaw. And, you know, clearly that was an interesting time to go at the uh, Western Bulldogs. I was told two things. Number one, we're a developing list. Number two, we've got no money. 
<laughs> so yeah. can you come down and share some stuff with us? And uh, luckily I said yes to both those things because I got to meet this great man to my left, your right. But uh, intro- introduce him the way you want to cover what we want to cover today, I think. Is the, yeah, the look, I, I, certainly, as I said, tap into the mind. Um, 20 years um, at elite level in, uh, in in arguably one of the, the number one sport in a, in Australia. So certainly want to hear about that. But we're very big here, Bob, on, on at Voices of Value in terms of the life hacks and particularly leadership sort of point of views and how do you go about leading and so forth. And also how do you go about, you know, as an elite athlete, how do you, you set yourself up and, you know, get the mind right and so forth. So there's so yeah. many things that I'm looking forward to discussing with you today. But if we went back further for when you, when you first, you know, drafted obviously in 99, as a kid growing up, can you talk a little a little bit about that part of your the, the life and journey? Uh, yeah, well, I, I my childhood I sort of describe it as a, a a boulevard of green lights. There was no there was nothing to push back on. It was this was um, I came from a happy home. Mum and dad were um, very much in love. There was no angst in the house. I was part of you know grew up in the grunge generation of an angsty, <laughs> and I had zero angst. I was just a, a very happy, carefree kid. Loved playing. Any sort of sport, chasing the ball—that was it. Was a very sort of pure existence, um, and you know, becoming an AFL football—that was that was what I'd sort of set my mind to. And I assumed it would happen. I sort of look back now a bit sort of sheepishly of like you know just the, the naivety around. It wasn't oh, I. I want to do that. It was I, I will do that. I'll just do. I'll just do that. That's what I want to do. <laughs> and uh, and then it, it happened. And you know that's. It's only the older you get, the realise that you know, luck and on all you know, a number of things fall your way to, to get the chance. But um, it was a uh, it was a thrill. Your, your life um, to be drafted was like getting the golden ticket in you know Charlie Bucket. That's how that's how that's how it sort of felt to me. So um, the the footy career wasn't easy. If the childhood, the growing up, that that part was a boulevard of green lights. Or the footy that had a few that had a few bumps along the trail. Mm. Was there, say, some natural ability, or was it a lot of hard work? Uh, what? what, what was uh, it? Oh, there, there was hard work, but I, but I had a, I had a natural, you know, I had a knack for the game. I had a knack for for sport, and and uh, and I had a, you know, a confidence with that that you know, I, I thought I could, I thought I could mix it, and I thought I could, you know, I could play. Sort of thing, Must but be go- something about that that part of the world where you grew up in, in Downing Warrigal. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We had Trent Hotton on um, last our last week. episode, and uh, you grew up. A bit um, of a hero of mine, Trent Hotton. Yeah, that, you know, because you know, league footballers, you know, in my mind, they were they were superheroes, and and generally they didn't come from Warrigal. But mm-hmm. Trent Hotton was, you know, his mum and my mum taught together at you know that on staff at the Marisine College, and. Trent playing in in the AFL was yeah. it, it made it real for me. So Trent's kind of an important sort of um, figure in my my early years. So That's you get to the doggies and you're playing under plough and you're just mm. enjoying the the reign of being a, a young fresh footballer. First game, first goal, Optus Oval. Now yeah. I think what's it called Icon Park. Yeah, Icon Park. I was there. Princess yesterday. Park, probably Princess Park. Whatever it was, you remember it vividly. Remember that day vividly. Yeah, it's 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 the the best way I can describe that because I was a footy mad kid. That playing on Princess Park, you know, so the suburban ground's still alive, but it was a bit like stepping into the television. That's how it <laughs> felt. It felt like sort of walking into the television and this world sort of becoming, you know, all around you. And I remember there was at one stage a fight broke out between Tony Liberatore and Aaron Hamill, and they were like, they were see, they were just trying to claw at each other, and, and everyone was sort of trying to, you know, get them away from each other. It was sort of 
chaos is a melee. <laughs> and, I, and I was in the middle of it, but I was like a rock in the middle of the stream. Everything sort of just moved around me. I was sort of politely ignored. Is that Was that because of your big bulky sort yeah, of physique? Yeah, I think that, well, it was like the, the adults were sorting things out and the, the children were sort of brushed aside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there would have been a bit of pressure on you picked up at number 13, and I believe there were some pretty big statements made about Robert Murphy and Scotty, um, Scotty Clayton famously Scotty saying we'll Clayton? win two. Yeah, no pressure there. Win two Brownlow medals. Is Didn't it? quite deliver on that front. No, so, but I'll Scotty let, Clayton was a good, good judge. Put together some pretty powerful lists when you really stop and think about his career and uh, other than the Gold Coast Suns, but that's a story for another time. But he did he did sort of uh, signal your talent from a long way out. So you were on the radar. It's not like you could have just slipped into a comfortable uh, you know, AFL career. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily feel the pressure of it though. It was, it was just a magic ride. It was because I'd, I'd gone from being a, a – I was a draft – I was young, so I had another year. So I was already young. So it was all sort of upside and then went from a draft smoky. Then you get picked and life yeah. just picks up pace. So I wasn't really thinking in terms of, oh, you know, it's been a bit of pressure. It was like, oh, this is – I've got the, you know, I've got the, the, the dream gig here. Mm-hmm. you got a tremendous attitude and it's something that's certainly been prevalent through your whole career and – listening to you now on, on the radio and so forth, you've just got such a, um innate ability to describe what's happening and in, in the footy world. Leadership um, is where I want to go with this. And, you know, at, at what stage do you think at, at the Bulldogs did were you earmarked as, as a leader or did you feel yourself, you know what, I could, I could potentially lead this team one day? Uh, I, th- those thoughts didn't – they came much later. So I, I suppose I was – um, maybe sort of um, how would you describe it? Like I was sort of funneled into you know, the leadership of the time, but but I I sort of thought at the time that leadership in football at the time was was pretty conservative, and I and I was I was in footy terms a bit a bit out there, which is <laughs> which is not that hard to be sort of cast in yeah. footy. It was so conservative. Um, but I, the actual formal leadership of wanting to be captain, or that—that that was never the burning ambition for okay. me. I, you know, I, f- I felt like I, you know, I had a, a certain style and a and a and a and brought something in that space. But it wasn't until it wasn't until um, the end of two thousand and fourteen when when the captain left, and then the coach was, um, you know, sacked a couple of days later. That I had that the urge to. Now I need to be the captain, and I was I was very mm. definitive. Whereas usually I could sort of a bit grey and sort of see both sides and a bit of doubt there, and I, I had zero doubt. It's like I'm now the situation that the club's in right now, which is a dire one. Um, I'm the I'm the person that needs to 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 take that take that leadership role. And I remember that conversation well because you, you, when we spoke about it, you said, you know, um, Griff's walked out, um, you know, the coach, Brendan McCartney, has fallen on his sword. The other thing you missed there, uh, which I'm sure we, you won't mind sharing, one of your very, very good friends, close friends, groomsmen at your wedding, CEO of the club has also moved on. So there's mm. a, it's just disarray and it's yeah. almost like we're an absolute joke. And, you know, you, you felt compelled to step in there at that stage then to, to, to offer up leadership if memory serves. Yeah, and I, th- I think the thing that um, th- there was a – I felt a deep sense of I, – I would describe it as shame that – I was the old, I think I was the oldest player on the list at the time, and 
you know, the captain walks away and the coach is gone and then the CEO's gone. Like, you have to take your share of responsibility. You know, it's, it's on your watch and the club, you, you really, if you should have an attitude of you, the club should be better after you've left it, you know. And I was 32 and thought, well, I, not only is it not better, this is this is probably as low as it can get for a footy club right now. So I felt a deep sense of sort of shame and responsibility for that. And uh, and then it was okay. Well, whatever time I've got left as a as a player, I want to put everything into getting us sort of back on our feet. Mm. And what did you think of um, your sort of lessons in leadership from up until that moment in time? Because was your first cra- captain Chris Grant or yep? Uh, no, Scotty Wine. Scotty Wine. Yep. yep. Yeah, and I think that's that's been my. Um, that's that's my style in everything is to be a bit like a magpie building a nest of yeah. a bit of this, a yeah. bit of that, yeah. a bit of that, a bit of that, and put it together and sort of make it make it something your own. But I I remember th- I'm not so good at the nifty leadership um, <laughs> catchphrases or you know what sort of you know yeah. authentic or agile or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I'm not that's sure. Like yeah. I'm not really sure how to sort of whip it into a nice little um, paragraph for you, but. Um, it, it was it was definitely around being myself and and having uh, so I, I suppose it's authenticity but a, an emotional um, uh, honesty yeah that's what I sort of wanted to bring to it and and a lot of the mistakes I made in the fourteen years pre they became things they became real diamonds because you could see certain players or certain situations of oh, I've, I've I've gone down that path and you could. You could use that to your advantage. And so, which of your former leaders do you think you modelled yourself on more, or um, was there any, if not that, was there any former leader that you went to? You know, I can just see why that worked, and I'm, I'm so glad I did that. Was there any you know, principles um, that you, you you maybe brought into play? I th- oh, there's definitely certain bits. I mean, I, I love the way that Sc- Scotty Wine was a. I only had him for a year, but he was a storyteller. Yeah, right. And he could he could hold the you know he could. He, he spoke with um, with a lot of power without ranting and raving, um, but but Luke Darcy was a you know was a, a strong mentor to me. Still is very different to me, but I, I, his ability to um, handle you know uh, situations with conflict, he was. Um, that was something I, I definitely would refer to a lot. So what did you do there? What was his? What was his sort of you know, thing that stood out? The way uh, he handled that. Uh, you know, things like just staying calm, and and getting to the point. Yeah. Say what you mean. Yeah. Get to the point. Yep. But it's it's tone as much as anything. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How he went about <clears throat> that. Yep. yep. Perfect. It's interesting you talk about authenticity and and, and this rawness. That of, of a time um, that the Bulldogs went through, they, they're not a team. And just for the, for the listeners, um, not a, not massively across AFL, but they're not a team that has eighty thousand members and so forth. So I don't like to use the term, you know, throw money at it. But a lot of the big clubs could actually do that. They mm. could actually throw money at mm. it and get someone else in and get the best of the best of whatever it is. I think um, the Bulldogs is one of the few teams that are left with some real. I'm talking real soul, mm. real. You know, um, uh, you know, backstreet sort of mentality, mm. just real fight. And, I, and I've heard um, your podcast that you did, um, Bob, uh, talking about 1989 and, mm. and the merge that nearly the happened fight with back, yeah. the yeah. fight back in <clears throat> Fitzroy and, and Footscray back then. That was just phenomenal to hear those stories. Mm. 
can uh, talk to us about the heart and soul of, of that club. Because um, yeah, we, well, we, we, so we talk about culture and stuff like that, which is such an overused sort of terminology at the moment. But w- what's the heart and soul? Well, so around the time that, that Rick came down to the Bulldogs, uh, Peter Road got he organised. Terry Wheeler came and spoke to the spoke to the players. And for those who don't know, Terry Wheeler is a, a, an ex Bulldogs player and a coach in the early nineties, and he's the he's the best football orator I've ever sort of um, listened to. Speaks very passionately in his description of the working class roots of the football club. So he spoke to the group about what it means to play for the Bulldogs, and it was a it was it's one of the great footy speeches I'd ever heard. But it was a, it was about the the working class roots and the fact that the Bulldogs are outsiders. Footscrape, like geographically, we're outsiders. You have to cross the Maribyrnong to come to us. <laughs> and he talk, but he and he talks about all you know the yeah. the the um uh the blacksmiths on the on the muddy banks that like all that which I just I love all that stuff. I'm a sucker for that kind of language and description. But he he made it. It was a deeper sense of what it meant to wear the jumper more than just the jumper or the team. It was. It was about the place and the working class roots and why we're different to everyone else. And I think the best stuff in team sport is when you feel like it's you against the rest of the world. Yep. And you're always trying to create that in some way. And I thought, you know, and Terry Wheeler just articulated that in a way that appealed to me. And so the first thing I did when I became captain was got Terry to come back and deliver that same speech to this young group of players to – to kind of well inspire them, but to give them a bit of context, because at that point, when when the situation, you know, the, the captain's gone, the coach has gone, the CEO's gone, when it's you're a laughing stock. In some ways, people sort of oh, you know, must have that must have been a difficult period, and in one sense it was, but in another sense that that was much easier to lead at that point because it simplified everything. Because it, it actually wasn't about winning games or the pressure of top four or how's this. It was about it was about getting dignity back and having people feel good about wearing the jumper and feel proud about the club they play for because at that time, you know, this group had been kicked and bruised and, you know, losing seasons, four losing seasons in a row has, you know, takes its toll on everyone. Mm-hmm. So so when I became captain to get Terry Wheeler to come back in and, and speak about that sort of thing, it, it just sort of simplified simplified things and the best leaders are the best storytellers we know that and they're obviously very good at taking complex messages and making them very simple we've heard that so often on these particular episodes over the last two seasons pete and i think out of that adversity comes two things number one an opportunity to simplify as you just articulated there bob but the second thing is then you've got a clean slate and in comes uh, a coach who probably was the right man for the moment typically in terms of bevo do you want to talk about that uh yeah he he was a he's a He's a different um, character, which and might have matched your different leadership. Yeah, style. <laughs> I th- like I. Well, I think it was a um, define different. Yeah. Um, well, he's it, it's it's difficult to describe anyone in a in a paragraph. Yeah. Because, but particularly with with Luke, as soon as I start to describe him in one way, that I you know he's a romantic, a storyteller, affectionate. As soon as you start to describe him that way, there's a nagging thought of yeah, but he's also process driven and right. wow uh, yeah and uh, and he's so I just go he, he's he's zen but he's not a wimp <laughs> yep. do you know what I mean he's there's a there's a real balance to him well yep. rounded yeah he mm. is and there's a you know that I think he just balances the 
the sophistication of modern footy and the tactics and all of that with the matters of the what I would describe as the matters of the football heart. He gets he he balances those things. It's great to hear that because I was mentioning I'm not sure if it was on our last podcast or the one before. I was talking about um, it was Nick Del Santo was talking about what he'd like to see in the new St Kilda coach. This was pre-Ratton getting appointed. Yeah. And he said um, he was talking about the warm and fuzzy coach, put your arms around Luke Beveridge-style coach. Mm. Um, and you're instantly – that's what instantly people think about Luke Beveridge is mm. they think that. But I'm – so I think it's just music to my ears to hear how the process driven and all that sort of stuff, and I'd love to tap into that a bit more. But he was talking about St Kilda needing someone who actually was firm and put down the mm. – but then you get someone like a Schwatto who was on here and spoke about Dennis Pagan and the years in the 90s and so forth yeah. and what Dennis Pagan I, was like. I, and I, what's, what's right, what's wrong? I mean, is it, is it about the players? Is it, is it you need to adapt my, my thing with this is – and I think we, we – particularly with coaches, we describe them almost in a cartoonish way that yeah. they're – there's the hugger or there's the screamer, the yeller. Or the, there's the, you know, it's the carrot and the stick. It's like, you, you know, you can be both. Yeah, yeah. You can support someone and then ask them to give more. Mm. Mm. The, 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 I, don't, I don't adhere to this thing of, oh, it's got to be that or it's that. Right. It's like, no, yeah. it's, it's, it's always a balance. It's a push and pull of does the group need a – does the group need a hug or a shove? That's what I was constantly in that mode of, and I think I think the best coaches do uh, do have the ability to to play both. Well, uh, Nathan Buckley was saying that the best coaches uh, in our interview go back to the start of the year, actually, and it'd be interesting to get him on now based on just what's happened over the last um, you know forty eight hours. But he talked about the fact that the best coaches give the environment that allows the people to be the best they can be, whatever that looks like, and not all of them are going to you know be served by the spray, and not all of them are going to love the hug. There's mm. going to be certain requirements for each particular individual play. He said, as long as the collective environment where everyone understands what the goal is and everyone yeah. understands what our game plan is but then within that how he connects with each individual player is really what he sees as mm. the art of coaching in you know 2019 just that ability to have the right conversations would yeah. that be something that you saw with Bevo? yeah and, uh, and i th- that if I've, I've got a bit of a frustration of of you know those 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 years for the bulldogs of you know it was the emotional the hu- you know we're hugging People were sort of like, do that. There's so much hugging going on at the Bulldogs, and and you know, very affectionate. And I was and I was saying yes, but it, this wasn't kumbaya. This is not the. This wasn't the. This wasn't the Brady bunch. We, we we would refer to each other. We would call ourselves call each other family. It was a brotherhood, and we were family. But family, in that sense, is there's a lot of love, but mm. there's also a lot of arguing around the kitchen table. So yes, there was there was affection and warmth, and but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't just all fluffy. Yeah, mm. it was you had you had that uh, affection for one another, so mm. that then when it came a time to have have a disagreement or have you know robust feedback as they as they called, <laughs> you can do that. Yeah. So how did you deliver that? So so you saw something in review about a player that needed to have a, a stern talking to, and the coaches have laid it on the leadership group to go have that sort of. Yep. intervention, but they've said, go sort this player out based on what we saw there or some behavioural thing that went outside the vision or the values. How, how did you have that conversation? Um, it was – I would try and make it a, uh, uh, – casual is not the right word, but, hey, can, can, I, can I grab you for a chat? Yep. And in a, in a footy club with, you know, with young men, that kind of is the 
that sets the mood. It <laughs> yeah, sets the mood. Yeah. You know, and you grab a, you know, just put your put your hand on a player's arm and hey, can we can I go be for a chat? And often I would take a player for a walk around the oval. Come, let's go for a walk. You go for a, and even even that, I found helpful that players could have a better conversation when you were walking together instead of just sat there, you know, face off where. That would you know you could see you could see players tighten up and they're on guard of oh you know and maybe they'd give you the answer they thought you wanted to hear whereas yeah. you go for a walk it's a chat. hey come on mate let's go and have a chat yeah and things would you'd have you'd have a, a real conversation mm. and feel like you got somewhere by the end of it and again without wanting to paraphrase Nathan Buckley he talks about the fact as a coach if he's just talking to a player across his desk it's almost like the school principal talking yeah, it to is, a normal yeah. school kid where it's like hey mate can we go for a walk and he'll do that too he'll go for a walk either around the oval or around the tan and just yep. he finds that the barriers are down there's more chance for feedback yep. to get through and there's better returns on that uh, on that sort of investment to it and, and obviously it worked for, for Bob Pete because in 2015 when he put his hand up and he's coming towards the end of his career. And at that stage, there was even thought that you might not even go on mm. yourself. But you, you sort of, I remember the clear the conversation we had, which is, mate, you know, here's what's happened. And he started giving me the lie of the landscape. And he said, look, I you know, really think I'm sort of compelled to step up here. And I said, based on that, if I'm hearing that, I'm, I'm hearing almost you could retire. And he goes, no, you're not listening to me. And I said, no, I'm hearing everything you're saying. But if you, if you just said to me, I want to come back because I think there's still some things I can bring to the table, there's still some gifts I can give to the team, I mm. still think I could be a better player, I'm saying, well, if I'm hearing that, then, you know, this should all, you know, the reason for coming back in 2015 should be I want to be All-Australian, you know, I want, I want to be an All-Australian captain, and that's exactly what happened in 2015. Second time All-Australian, I think, in 2015, and first time as All-Australian captain. All-Australian captain, 2015, and, and the AFLPA, which arguably – a lot of the players would see that as the number one sort mm. of award chosen by your peers um, and, and, and people you play against um, in terms of the uh, captain of the year as well in 2015. That was a monumental turnaround um, in a season from erring on the side of giving it all away or mm. whatever it may be, all those thoughts that go through to just coming out with with just something that was just really extraordinary. Yeah, it's and it, – it's a special time when when you catch the competition off guard and every every year there's one side that sort of just goes just slingshots past Brisbane yep. Lions thank yeah. you Sammy Harper yeah. that's right and and, <laughs> and again Sammy we're sorry and when, and when it when it when it's happening it's it's an exhilarating ride yep so you go from being irrelevant and just there's a you know Cliche, yeah, ignored. Yep. Basically, the, the the football world, as it as we call it, sort of turns its back on you and yep. a bit of a laughing stock. To then, to then discover that you're actually a damn good footy side was a was a massive thrill. And so, and I so I remember there was a lot of there was a lot of um, special moments and important milestones. But we, that round five in that year, we we went up to Sydney and we'd won we'd won a few early games and we we're going okay. But it was still a side that didn't know who it was yet. Not sure. Got this new coach. He's a different thinker, but he's lifting our horizons a bit. And he's he's got an enormous belief in himself. But he's also telling us that we could be much more than we think we are. So there was something happening. And then we beat Sydney in the wet up there, and we go into the rooms. You know, it's a classic win. It's one of the great one of the great days in footy I've ever had. And we go in and sing the song, and the song is heaving. It's because it's got all this emotion in it because, you know, the world is changing. You know, our 
we've been bruised and kicked for four years and all of a sudden things are things are changing and then we go into the coach's meeting room and the coach doesn't say anything for two minutes and we're sitting there waiting 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 and then he he hops up and you know through tears in his eyes says I'm I'm proud of you and that that was different that was different that wow. was that was not um, my experience of of league footy at that point and that, and that, there's a lot of and bear in mind that was that was fifteen years of league footy too. That's right, yeah. yeah. And so I, I think at a, at, a, at its very basic level, making the, making the coach proud is is a pretty pure aspect of the game. I think. Yeah, that's absolutely awesome. Twenty sixteen. This is grand final week, so. Um, <laughs> oh, we fast forward. We're, we're actually. Gonna, I'm going to fast forward straight away. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm going I'm to go. When did we know? I'm going to we talk were... about adversity first. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I want to go back to adversity because the first major bit of adversity that, that, from an outsider sort of point of view, there probably would have been some of the stuff go on. Was in um, 2006. Mm. That's when you when you first did your knee. Yeah. Um, that left knee in a horrible, horrible collision. Um. Talk us through those, and I, I want to. And I want to sort of tap in, into the little bits of adversity through your career, then, because then you came back in two thousand and seven, and then um, two thousand and eight, you did it again. Mm. Um, that was a different knee. Different, yeah, different, different knee. sort of injury. Talk to us that. about the mindset around those sort of those times in your career when. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things. Of at, at the time, it feels like um, it's it's a major major setback. Because the game is taken away from you, but it, but you know, it's that classic thing of it actually becomes one of the great um, moments, really, because it, it it makes you appreciate things. So you know, as I said, you know, I had a, had a charmed sort of run through life. I was young and playing footy and having a great time, and then you do your knee and it's it's taken away from you, and all of a sudden you move to the side so natural ability is kind of gone so yeah. then it, then it's about becoming a, prof, a a really hardened professional and that's what that's what that knee injury gave me it 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 it, it transformed me into a professional footballer whereas before I was just getting by um which you know, there's a there's a tinge of regret there, but I think that's just you know we're all on our sort of path. So but you do the work, you come back, yeah, and then you do it all again, yeah, you hit again. Yeah, so it was a di- different sort of. Um, yeah, so the reconstruction is one of those without getting bogged down in the detail. It's 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 tough because it's just time, mm. but you actually prog- you you actually progress. Once you can jog, you can jog. Once you can run, you can run. Once you can jump, you can, you just sort of tick things off. But it just takes ten months yep. to get back to playing. So that's the that's the tough bit. But the the patella tendon injury in in two thousand and eight was much more difficult because. It was affecting performance. You could play, but you'd be sore, and you couldn't turn. You couldn't jump off that leg, and, and would it, so you'd go two steps forward, one step back, and that mm. that that created a, you know a lot of anxiety and um, anguish. Um, so yeah, that, that 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 was a really difficult difficult period. That sort of two thousand and nine, two thousand and eight. Mm. Then came back two thousand eleven. You all Australian two thousand eleven. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you came back. <laughs> Bigger and better than ever. Yeah, um, yeah. I sort of, which I, is real credit to you. Uh, yeah, it was like I was, you know, sort of determined to hang in there and, and you know, there's that burning, um, uh, you know, to fulfil potential, I think. You know, that whatever it is inside of you, you know, you, you, you kind of know that you've got it in you and you sort of, you just, that's part of the athlete, I think, brain of, 
just pushing and pushing and pushing to exhaust whatever you've got inside you. Yeah. So yeah. would you say those knee ops were when you probably transitioned from being a, an interested you know, participant to a really committed yep. AFL footballer? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's just that it, it, it really made me appreciate what it meant to me. Mm, because it, uh, having it having it having it taken away yeah um was yeah kind of gut-wrenching so let's do fast forward to the point where we're showing a bit of promise uh it's a uh, let's fast forward to 2016 mm. and we're going 10th well of april mm. and uh, again you cop another sort of uh challenge with yeah. your, with your knee so you know you're you're out literally yep. in the final minutes of that mm. of that game that was as against well. Hawthorne, was it against hawks yeah, yeah. yep Yep. Yeah, so I mean, it was. <laughs> Sorry it was, to sort of take it. No, 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 no. That's what it's all about. Um, so it was. The timing is really is interesting, and you know, and as a as a writer, I find the timing really interesting. Of the cause was okay. I'll try and get you know, try and get this team back on. And once it the ship has turned, that was kind of the phrase that we kept you talking about. Once the ship has turned, and you know. Round three, 2016, the Bulldogs are in the top of the table, match of the round against one of the greatest teams, maybe the greatest team of all time, Hawthorne, and we're and then we're you know we're up with a couple of minutes to go, and then it then it happens, mm. twist, bang, knees gone, and I instantly know that's it, and mm. it's and in that moment it's like okay, that's game gone, season gone, career over, no premiership. All in the space of a couple of seconds, it's kind of a lot to take in. It's a lot to handle on one day. There's a lot to take in for the supporters as well, and for those that are close to you, because it's not not it affects you bigger than anyone, but mm. it, it certainly affected a lot of people around you. Yeah, family, friends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they're um you know they're they're in it with you, and the the game the game is the game demands a lot physically and emotionally, and uh, and you, you you are all in. Um, and uh, you know, and my, you know, the the people around you, they're they're all in with you. So um, when it's when something like that happens, it's 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 the the context is important that Jared Whateley describes sport as the dessert trolley of life. So it needs that context. <laughs> yeah. But it but when when an injury like that happens, it's it feels like grief. Mm. It does feel like yeah, it, it's very very raw. So you consult with Justine and, and the kids and uh, so we're thinking, okay, that's probably it now. And then what stage do you remember having the conversation with Juzzy that uh, I'm injured, I'm out, we're going okay. Mm. This could actually uh, be a fairy tale run for the Bulldogs and yeah. I'm not going to be a part of it. I remember? I remember that the, the boys beat Port Adelaide in Adelaide. It was the middle of the year, I think maybe around 13 or – and I remember I came home and uh, sat on the couch and said to Justin, I said, oh, I think we're going to win it. I think this this group – I just felt it. Mm. I just had been around footy long enough and, and immediately started to brace myself for, okay, so if if this is what happens, I, I know how this plays out that, um, you know, grand final week, there's always the – yeah, you know, there's got to be the sad story. Yeah. There's like, two things in Grand Final Week. There's the hyperbaric chamber story. Yeah, there's the hyperbaric, <laughs> yeah. And there's the unluckiest story of the year and you knew you were going to be the latter yep. part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I describe it as a – so Grand Final Week is a um, – for the for the teams, they're like a cheeseburger and there's the there's the delicious fatty goodness of the burger and the cheese and the, it's all just great. But you need something a bit bitter just to balance it out. 
and that's the gherkin. And I, you know, every year there's a gherkin, and I, I was, it was the VB then. Yeah. So I was the I gherkin, was and, and you know, and this year, then you know, it's grand final week this week, and there's there's a few gherkins. Mm. Mm. You know, I think my heart's breaking for for Cal Ward at the moment, Stephen yeah. Canelio, if, if he doesn't play, Brett Delidio is just yeah. there's like that's a, another level of cruelty. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So, and that's but that's how that's how the game rolls. Yeah, it is. And so you know that you're going to be the focus. You've got two options here. No matter which way you go, you're not mm. going to win the no. uh, the popularity debate. So if you're sook in the corner, you're the sookie captain. Yeah. If you give everything you've got and be the best leader, then somehow you're raining on the parade. Yeah. There's no. Yeah. You, you sort of go in knowing that you, you can't quite get it right, whichever whichever line you pick. But my I, my kind of rationale with the, the whole week was I can live without being a premiership player. I can it'll be difficult and I'll have to you know go through some some tough times with that but I can't I can't live with being an emotional anchor for the group and yep. and cost them and have them weighed down by you know the the sook in the corner so the, the mm. players the players knew I was going through it you know a, a, you know, a difficult time, but I was determined to not bring that to them. That was, you know, and, you know, that really I would want to stretch, stress that point of, you know, a halfback flanker's lot is a, <laughs> it's a it's a drop in the ocean. This is a, you know, a footy club that over 100 years old that had a, you know, a 62-year premiership drought. This was this was a big, big deal and I was determined to, to not be in a, you know, an anchor. Mm. So, what was your role um, when after you did the knee? How, uh, I mean, obviously, there's a leadership role there and so mm. forth. But if if you were to if you were to sort of talk about it in in a paragraph, what what role did you play? Was it as the as the right hand man to uh, Luke Beveridge? Was it just as a purely as a leadership group um, participant, or how would you describe your um, role? Uh, I'm not sure how I'd describe, but it. Uh, the leadership role, as I understood it, was you, you're kind of you you are stuck in the middle. So your job is to support the coach's message down, so his message, what he's trying to do down. But it's probably outweighed by you're representing the players and what they need they need up towards the coaches. Yeah. So you're in you're constantly you're the one in the middle of representing the players to to the to the coach and also the coach down. So mm. it was always that balance. So not not playing, you know, it does take out a big chunk of of the of leadership because there's nothing quite like going to battle yeah. with the guys yeah. to yeah. but it was that facilitator and having conversations and talk it was just talking to people and you know, trying your best to help. Mm. And so on game day, can we, can we actually yep, just go yep. back? Yeah, just before game day because it was interesting. I was just, I just wanted to take. I, I love looking at past stats and so forth like that. So they finished fourteenth in two thousand and fifteen, and then <laughs> up they go. But but the reality is, you finished seventh. Mm. Like you know, for you to have that, um, you just said then about that Port Adelaide game, and you felt this is your year. It wasn't like you were flying and you were two games clear yeah. on top or nah, top whatever. Yeah, but the seventh is a little bit misleading though. Mm. That we we won fifteen games. Yep. Which is a lot. So seventh was a bit unders for us, really. Yep. We were we were a better side than than seventh. 
Because historically, um, what would that have been? 10, 11 wins, maybe 12. 12 sort of sneaky. Yeah, that's so 15's 15 quite okay. a lot. Yep. Um, but you still had to go to Perth, though. Yeah, that's Oh, oh yeah. And we'd had, there was a lot of trips. You know, there was a lot of, you know, guys were injured and yeah. Yeah. five players back in and. Um, and then went over to, to West Coast, but yeah, it was there was there was just a lot of unusual things. Of yeah. the, the outside world didn't give us a chance, and we <clears throat> we we expected to win. Now I don't want to sound like Mark Robinson here, but did, was it us against them, Bob? Did you did you feel that, or what <laughs> what what was it? Um, it was really good. <laughs> we we kind of had harnessed that for that whole period. Yeah, that it was that it was us against the world that we'd been sort of written off and. Actually, I think it was Dennis Cometti, I think, in at the end of 2014 had referred to us as jabronis. That, you know, jabroni in the wrestling is the guy who goes in and, you know, but he gets he just gets beaten. He's yeah. there to, the he's there to fill a the role. Washington, but, the Washington Capitals gets the – Yeah, and, gets the, and the we, kind of, we kind of used that yep. of, okay, well, that's how the world thinks of us. So you're, you're pushing back on that and trying to prove a point. Yeah, um, we're not the sparring partner. Yeah. We deserve the title, and there's nothing, nothing really, um, kind of uh, magnifies that more than playing interstate. Yeah, when it's it's just a gang. We had two great ones, didn't you? Yeah. Perth and then yeah. GWS. That GWS in that prelim, prelim. you came from <laughs> nowhere. Yeah, you came from nowhere. You were ten lengths back, and then it was just quite phenomenal. And and that really then kicked off one of the one of the most exciting sort of weeks, no doubt. But one of the I guess the toughest weeks um, mm. for you as well, and it, it, it's great to sort of get your insight into it because a lot of us only dream about what it could possibly be. And as supporters, you know, it's such a oh, such a monumental time of your life that particular week. But to um, mm. the emotion, emotional roller coaster must have been quite. Oh yeah, no, quite, it was you know, pretty. Um, it was pretty intense. So there was. Um, yeah, I mean, at the 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 role of the club was kind of like a, a, an emotional sort of life raft. You sort of cling onto that, and at least it gave me something to do and distract from the fact that you know inside, you know, your heart's breaking because you know we're footballers, you know, simple souls, and it was a, it was a sense of displacement. That's how I would describe it, that I was you know not where I was meant to be. That's how that's how it felt. Um, but you know, as I as I've already said, I was I would not bring that to the football club in front of the players. It was. You know, I had to, had, you know, try and keep them and keep the keep the vibe up. But but at home it was like you know tears on the couch and you know being sort of nursed by <laughs> by my wife. You know, it was just it was a pretty pretty traumatic week. And, and there was yeah. some wonderful vision of you being dropped off virtually at the door of the change rooms by Justine and mm. you know your beautiful daughter. <laughs> He gives you a hug and mm. you've given her a kiss and then she's got your jumper on with uh, mm. you know the whole sort of uh, standpoint. And it was one of those moments where I, you know, I'll be honest, Pete. I sort of looked at that and I thought, ah, just he deserves better than this. But you know, life isn't just a fairy tale. How would we know what you know really great opportunities are if we didn't know what real big challenges were? And I knew you'd sort of gone through that to mm. a degree. So where did you watch the game? Was it were you? Sort I was of, in the. No, I was in the coach's box. Yeah. Yep. Sort of uh, sat. Sat next to Chris Grant, behind Chris Grant, next to John Schultz. It's kind of like a <laughs> Footscray uh, fantasy camp. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, you know, um, you know, great, great view of the game. Um, it was, you know, I, I spent. To be fair, though, I mean, I watched probably half the game, and the other half I watched the ceiling because it was just too much, too much to bear. Yeah. Um, to to watch, but you know, he's incredibly proud of that. You know, that team was such a. Yeah, you know, special bunch of boys. How would you describe Luke in the, in the box? What's what's a coach 
Um, like on, on, on a day like that, that's just, there's, there's no tomorrow. This is it. You know what? I've got stronger memories of the preliminary final of the, the intensity and the emotion was heaving in that stadium that night and the closer it got towards the end, people were getting frantic and what I noticed with Luke is when things get frantic in that atmosphere, he gets calm. He's, he's has the ability to slow down and to have and to slow other people down. To say, settle down. What are we doing? You know, to think methodically, and so that's where it's this zen. Yeah, like as for someone as emotional as he is, he's not erratic, mm. and I think that's what you can yeah, you can you can be. You can be emotional, but also have that have that you know that that cool hand in a crisis. So the siren goes, it's done. We win. Drought's over. Mm. Um, yeah, talk us through those emotions. Uh, well, it's so I, I, you know as a I'm a, there's no bigger bulldog supporter than I am. So yeah. that the pride and euphoria yeah. is real, and it's it's very real. But it's but my uh, I guess my my euphoria had had warts on it yeah compared to you know the players who were on the ground like they'd reach a state of football nirvana like that's <laughs> yeah. doesn't it doesn't get any better than that um and so there was a tightness in my smile is how i would sort of describe it yeah yeah and and eastern wood is just he just he's over the top coming to find you to make sure that you were aware of the impact okay, you'd yeah had. i'm not too sure there was just a there was a there was a lot of hugging there was a lot of screaming <laughs> there was a lot of it was um you know that's that that's what the moment deserved you know there's a yeah. you know 62 years of um of drought there's a lot of there's a lot of pain and just to, just to set the scene pete as you as you will introduce the the, the moment that you class as one of the greatest emotional moments you've witnessed in your time following sport which i think is a, is amazing but you're with all the players and the moment's reality now and you're hugging with everybody and it's all exciting and the presentations are, mm. are happening in relation to the players who have played the game and you're sort of, you know, obviously, as you say, just sort of uh, smiling through gritted teeth at the moment thinking that could have what might have been, blah, blah, mm. blah, 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 and then the moment comes, Pete. Did, did you know what was about to happen? Did Was, there, was it ever spoken about or...? No. No, no, I didn't. I mean, I, I kind of... Um, I, yeah, I, I kind of knew something that you know would get a photo or something, and you know, I don't know. But um, no, the it it was a surreal day, and in that like the the energy in that stadium was n- like nothing I'd ever felt before. So it wasn't it wasn't sort of conscious rational thinking. It was yeah. all like a bit of a dream like state. Everyone was sort of. And then, uh, and then the coach, you know, did did what he did, and people people ask me about it, but it's really not about me. It's about um, it probably speaks more about the coach than anything, and the spirit of mm. that, the spirit of that team. To be quite humbling. Yeah. I, I, what what kind of gives me a bit of peace with it? What people don't really understand is that it's not about the medal. The the medal is arbitrary. It was. It's about it's about the affection and the warmth mm. and the love that. Um, that that the team had and the club the club had at that time, um, but in my in my own mind, what gives me a sense of peace is it's the medal for the twenty third man. Mm. So it's for it's for Todd Curley, it's for Luke Darcy, it's for Matthew Croft, it's for it's for all the guys who played and dragged the footy club 
through the tough years and that didn't get to play. That's what sort of gives me a you know, sense Benny of Benny Harrison, let's get him in there. Yeah, that's what Harrow in there. I've got to admit, it was a really interesting feeling as an outsider to see it. Cause, but let's and, just give some context for those who don't know what we're talking oh, about. Yeah, sorry, yeah. So Luke Beveridge um, gets the coach's medal um, as on, the, the, on, the on, dais. On, the, on the dais yep. and um, calls Bob Murphy up and then takes his medal off and puts it on. This is for you, Bob, and puts it around Bob, which was just phenomenal. And, and I could, and, and I'm, it's interesting. A lot of people would have had some really different sort of emotions about that. It's like mm. you know, Luke, this is you know, why are you giving up your medal and all that sort of stuff, but. It's not about that. And I love to hear that. And it, it, it's about uh, you look at what you've done for the club, um, not just in a season but for many, many seasons. Mm. And you're as much a part mm. of it as anyone. And, and it was fantastic and, and applaudable that, that Luke actually um, did that so many would have wanted to do as well is to recognise – a, a great Bulldogs man and the ultimate captain of the club. That, that was his words. His exact his exact words were, "You're a part of this, a bigger part of this as anybody." Mm-hmm. As he handed handed you the medal. The thing about it, which so why I describe the medal as being arbitrary is that it's it's, it's misunderstood that moment by some people that mm. that it was that I'm now that I'm a premiership player or that I thought I was because I got them. Yeah. It's like, no, you bonehead. Like, <laughs> That's why I brought it up. I like, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm tapping into, I know that would have been yeah, thought like, for sure. No, I, I, it's the, the line of premiership players in it is, is very clear. I am, and I am not, I'm not a, a premiership player. And you're okay with that? Well, no, well, well I've got to be. Though, but you look at Luke gave you his medal, like Eastern Wood or <laughs> one of the guys didn't give you their medal. So, so it was, for your it was from uh, the leadership and yeah. coach. I tell you what, there should be a there should be a Bob medal, uh, Bob Murphy medal that, that gets given out to uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus, to people behind please. the scenes. Like that. Just an idea, just <laughs> no, an idea. Please. No, I'm not going. No, I can't. Herb, I'm not going to champion that it's one. It's the Herb <laughs> Elliott John Landy moment, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the AFL. Let's, let's show, let, let, we can get that movement up. Let's, let's get, get that up. Let's get we want up. a Bob medal, oh, and geez, we want all of our subscribers to talk about that. But Bob, it's like seriously that as I said from the outset, it was one of the most single, most gracious, and just heartwarming, heartfelt moments ever on a sporting arena that I, that I have seen. And the more you think about it, the more the hairs on my neck stand up as a as a kangaroo supporter. Um, but to see that and just as a, as a as a beautiful human that you are, and you've given so much to the game, and you continue to give so much to the game, and it was just one of those things you look back on. What what a special moment! It it. It just makes it even better, doesn't it? When you when you think back at that time, you think, well, does it get any better than that? What this game's really all about? Which probably brings us to our final topic, Pete, about you know the keyboard warriors that went gangbusters after that moment, and the way that sort of people now all of a sudden believe that their opinions got weight. Um, you know, so let's just not put our identity to it, uh, but we'll just type some. S- stupid stuff on social media I can remember exactly where I was uh, because I was with my beautiful wife Gay who loves Bob uh, as you as you can appreciate Pete and we were in Queensland I was speaking at a conference up at uh, the Star up there and he rings me and he says mate I want, I want to share it with you before you hear it from anybody else I'm done it's just I, I'm, I'm spent I've got nothing left to get and, and Gay just said you know for a guy who just loves the game the game seems to have just absolutely worn him out and I said well that's kind of what I was hearing too so unbeknownst to Bob at the time we were driving along in the car when he was telling me about it and and I remember just thinking in my time, and when I first met him, he was just this guy who just loved the game, just couldn't wait to play. A bit like Sammy Harper when we interviewed him this year about you know this young twenty-one-year-old kid who loves playing cricket, cricket. and uh, you know. And then Bob, just talk us through that uh, as a way of wrapping it up. We, footy nowadays has begun, you know, from your time it was always professional potentially, but mm. it might have been semi-professional compared to where it is today. Yeah. Um, 
what what are the what are the sort of insights you can give around that, and more importantly, the lessons we can give to not make this thing bigger than life itself, but yet seemingly have enough currency on and get that enough fuel to get the rocket off the pad without blowing the whole thing up. What what do you think is the impact there that you could share? Jeez, what, is there a question in there? That's yeah, a- I know it's a long way. I was Tony Shaw, three AW. I'm asking a question that I'm going to answer myself. That's all we've got time for yeah. today. Thank it? you for everyone for joining us. Um, uh, Mm. It the the game sort of spat me out towards it. by the end. I was I was physically and emotionally just shot. It was and I'd got there, but after that, that was a, there's a, that's a I get a sense of peace from that. It's like you, I got to the end. Yeah, we'd given it everything, so there's a sense of peace there of like oh, I know I know I've got nothing left. I don't I don't and I don't have a hard time watching now. I don't I don't miss it that much. I was kind of, I was, you know, I, I'm. There's a hole there of of not, you know, not being a, not being a Premiership player as we've discussed. <laughs> um, but I'm content that, yep. you know, I kind of, I kind of gave it everything I had. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's you're getting all you can handle as a league football. It's a lot. It's a lot to. It's a lot to handle. You put that down to the the press sort of being such a, a mat, like if you think of when I you just first think started. It's the, it's the it's the being the constant. Critiquing and being being judged—that's mm. all eyes on. And I think if you ask players now, and they talk about the media. Oh, yeah, the media. But it's it's not it's not just that no. the media. It's the internal pressure. Everything's you know everything's reviewed. Everything's rewound. Everything's played again. Um, the social media aspect of um, the game, and everyone's got an opinion now. Everyone and you hear those opinions, and um, so uh, it's it's. Yeah, I kind of, um, I kind of do worry for the for the for the for the players and the ones coming into the game of 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 how they can handle that. Yeah, and so are you conscious of that now? As in your current role, mm. so you are a expert, a football yeah. expert. So you've got to make comments, and I, I always struggle when I hear experts sort of question the person as opposed to the you know, mm. the, the bit of play and their, their questioning. Well, I, I think – and I think that one of the tough things for athletes but particularly footballers is that um, when mistakes or there's shortcomings, it's linked to very emotional language. Mm. So someone takes their eye off the ball, well, they're, they're a coward. Yeah. Um, if you're not – if you're fatigued – and you don't, and you can't chase. Well, you're selfish. So there's, <laughs> and that's players take it to heart. Yeah, that that side of the game. Yeah, and the thing I've observed, Pete, and I, I think we've chatted about this in the past too. I'm seeing commentators and experts today not so much commentating the game; they're commentating to what their opinion was before the game. A barrack for the opinion. Yeah, to make sure that they're staying consistent with who they are because they're being paid to be a, an expert. Mm. And if you know, if I think about it, the two sides that are playing off in the grand final this year in 2019. By all the so-called experts, well, Richmond can't win it because they've lost, you know, Rance for the year, and they mm. were at, at times without Cochin and Martin, so they're no good. And uh, Great Western Sydney Giants, well, they, they, their style of football won't stack up in the big games, and they've got too many injuries as well. And yet, they're the two teams that are playing off. So now mm. everybody's opinion way back at the start of the year yeah, is out. I just have a hard time, and and probably because the 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 Luke Beveridge years, let's call it those, have the greatest impact on my life and that was you know the outsider so I, I have a hard time with 
certainty yeah. in football. <laughs> People are going, this will definitely happen. That cannot happen. Yeah. And I think, you know mm. what? It's an oval ball exactly. and this game is chaotic <laughs> and this is human beings who are up and down and left and right and so, yeah. Well, the certainty I, is the uncertainty, isn't it? Ark told us that on, yeah, uh, yeah, on yeah. Saturday <laughs> that, you know. Thanks, Pete. Not be, go back there, please. <laughs> we could it's be like, blatantly obvious but but it is the game. It is the uh, it is the world we, um, we live in. So, Bob, you're doing a tremendous job um, in the media now, as, as Rick said, um, with Gerald Waitley on um, – on uh, SEN. Now Andy Ma now Andy, Drive. And Andy Ma Drive. But talk to us a little bit about Leather Soul, your book, your first book. Yeah. You put uh, – Second book. Second oh, book. Well, so. I, I Captain's, Captain's Diary. Yeah. Captain's Diary. Yeah. Let's go with Leather Soul. Leather Soul. Uh, tell us a little bit a little bit of a plug for that book. Um, yeah, well, I, you know, I'd, I'd written – I'd always wanted to write a book because um, I, I thought there was a bit of a gap. I don't think a footballer has ever, ever written it himself and the the – Generally, the footballer books are from the superstar and the ones who've climbed the mountain and win the, win the day and then there's the – so I, I always felt like there was room for a book of of a footballer who, f, you know, was from the middle of the pack. Um, and so that's what I, you know, I sort of set my mind to doing that and, um, you know, if anyone who's written a book, you know, it's it's a, it's a it's different, you know, it's, it takes a lot, um, yep. takes a lot out of you and – I'm I'm glad I did it, but I, I wouldn't be rushing out to write a second memoir. So it's kind of and the story from your book launch, which I think you know, would be a, a good one if you could be prepared to share it uh, about what your beautiful wife Justine had to say when you had to on three shout out a word. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I said let's uh, let's do a bit of um, like a, a a quick fire sort of peer feedback, and I said let's describe each other in one word. At the same time, she was like, yep, no worries. <laughs> Three, two, one, and I said, honest, and she said, lazy. <laughs> and if you think about that, that's kind of checkmate. Yeah. So I've gone wow. honest. So then, I've said she's honest, so I can't really argue the toss no, on lazy. On lazy so, and, then, uh, and then Bob says, you do realise – Darling, that I wrote a book for you. Like I dedicated a book to you. Like that's that, yeah. that's just the funniest. Just to prove, just, just to, to prove, yeah, just to sort of get a better rating than lazy. And I don't want to finish um, without sort of talking a little bit about you as the dad. Um, three beautiful kids. Yeah. You know, as a father, what do you, what do you see your role there? Um, oh, you've got a son. So is it a father son? Is that what you're looking for there? Uh, no, nah, nah, not at <laughs> all. Not nah. unless there's pellet. What, nah, what, yeah. what do you do when you're into dinosaurs, mate? What's yeah, that's one? yeah. I don't know. What's that? What's that? Uh, yeah. Archaeological, yeah. bloody something. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. This is probably the wrong answer, but I, I just don't think of it in terms of what my role is. I just, you know, I, I love my kids and I love being around them and I, I want good things for them. And but I don't kind of think about it in terms of sort of, you know, too sort of, um, you know, highbrow. Yeah. And so, what fills your cup other than walking the dog and you know uh, all the sort of fun domestic duties that you that, that that radio gives you the opportunity to do now, especially because you you know your drive is the afternoon time yep. slot. So, well, I get to you know, I get to walk the kids to school every day, yep. and we just get to hang out and yep. chat, and and I'm I'm at my happiest when you know I'm at home, dogs asleep, kids on the couch, 
watching TV, a glass of wine. And, Fra- and, Frank- and Frankie and Delilah are the most it. inquisitive kids. Like they'll ask him real deep and meaningful questions. And Jarvis mm. is just happy playing with stuff. Very, very much like Bob. Very kinesthetic, sort of you know, touchy feely kind of kid. It's quite, quite funny. Mm. So, <laughs> you know, from that standpoint, I think that's the, that's the way I see you. Just being able to be there, yeah. their best, you know, quality time and quantity time are, are yeah. sort of uh, you know two two cues that you sort of really take from your, yeah. your kids. I think exactly. So, Bob, what do you what do you see just in closing? What do you see as the uh, as the biggest challenges in in society, particularly in the sporting sort of framework? What do you see as the biggest challenges for athletes moving forward? Uh, I think it I think it would be what I sort of alluded to before of the uh, the the dealing with the uh, the judgment and uh, I, I had this you know this theory of. Uh, when I started my career, you, you can tell a lot by the noise of the crowd. You can tell, you know, fifty thousand people they can they make a noise of uh, frustration, of anger, of it's very it's subtle, but you can you get a sense of how they feel. And you know, if you if you've had a bad moment on a footy field and you hear the groans of the, <laughs> oh, but then and then it's gone. But now now I think with social media, with uh, with athletes. Once you've once you've seen one of those horrible things written about you, or you've you've once you've been jabbed with that needle once, then you're bracing for it. So, the, and the, I think the waiting to be hit is worse than the hit. And I think that's what a lot of lot of athletes are dealing with now of yeah. that really stinging criticism. Once mm. you've had it once, you'll be you're on guard. Mm. You're on guard, waiting for the next one. Mm. Well. Yeah, this has been just uh, another oh, stellar cool. episode. Before we do uh, sort of put the microphone on mute, uh, your tip in this uncertain world of an AFL grand final, which so many of my friends are saying, thanks for losing, uh, that we're just engraving the cup now. Um, you know, not mentioning any names to my Richmond uh, supporter friends. Well, um, got a couple um, of So your, your thoughts on uh, who ultimately wins? Um, it's, it's hard to go against the Tigers, but I, the, the Giants have got something special. Sense of destiny. They've haven't they? got a. Yeah. They've got a, and they have. They have got this. The us against the world. Norm Smith medalist. Uh, Norm Smith medalist might be Zach Williams. Zach Williams and uh, Robbo and Waitley. That's who they are. That's not. A, that's not. That's not a performance piece. That's. That's who they are. I often talk about. It, I say to Bob, "What do you guys mate?" The number one question I get asked is, "What's Robbo like?" And what you're seeing is what you get. Yeah. That's who he is. That's how he rock and roll. It's interesting. I remember last year after that grand final. Oh, let's not go back there. Sorry, Rick. But uh, going West Coast and then closed down Swan Street. And then um, I think it was meant to be closed till about three o'clock in the morning. And they opened it at about eight eight p.m. I wonder if that could happen. I think Swan Street will be closed. Oh, the yeah. Tigers lose. I think Swan Street will be open pretty uh, pretty quickly after that. And your thoughts? Tigers by twenty. Uh, and Norm Smith medalist. I'm. Um, oh, I haven't really thought about the Norm Smith medalist, but I'm um, going to go with Basha Hooley actually. Oh, good for you. Mm. No, uh, my view for what it's worth is I think the Tigers are just. Um, they are phenomenal to get over what they've got over this year. You know, the thought was they were probably lucky to win in 2017, and because they lost the prelim in 2018, everyone thought, yeah, they were lucky to win. And and then as soon as they lose one off, because they had a great run with injuries, they used to have injuries for two and a half seasons. What was really funny, Bob, sorry to break in there, Rick, but we uh, we interviewed uh, voice of LU Peter oh, Burge, who's there, um, head peak performance. Um, 
coach and so forth and pretty much straight after that it was injury 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 and we're like oh no yeah. what have Curse. we done we've cursed them even he said but, that too um, he said we're in all sorts of trouble but you know what just gives an opportunity to somebody else he was upbeat but no my view is Richmond for what they've gone through and who they are and they're very focused on what they believe they can do and what they believe they can achieve and I think if they win you know you know that Dusty's going to play well so you know I, I would think that's it's a bit like picking Mystic Journey in the <laughs> in the races at the yeah. or winks winks in the races I should say more importantly so Bob on behalf of all of our subscribers all of our listeners you've been so generous with your time this is a uh, a bit of a you know, have to go with some old warts and, uh, and some challenging times but for the majority it's free therapy for free me free therapy for you <laughs> but uh, I've been really really fortunate to have you as uh, someone in my life for the better part of two decades you've been just an absolute delight to, to have a, as a friend you launched my book I've been to your book launches it's uh, to see him with his wife and family Pete is, is where you see the real Bob but to see him with anybody he's got a caring heart he wants to give the fact that you're so easy to get this time of the year when you know realistically you shouldn't be easy to get because his media profile and this time of the year requires him to be on tv and radio but he's happy to sort of uh, make this time with us as something we don't take lightly or for granted mate it's been magnificent to have you pleasure. here absolute pleasure and uh, for those of you who are listening and or watching please make sure that you do look into leather soul it is it's available in all good bookstores probably crap ones as well yep. by now um, oh yeah bob's probably got a few boxes in his garage that yep. he can help us out <laughs> with if you get stuck but there's plenty left in all seriousness please do rate the information that we've shared and if you like it please make sure that you share it with your networks and uh, we're trying to get this uh, particular uh, interview out to as many people as we can not just to those AFL centrics there's a lot to to learn from the northern states and or you know Australia New Zealand and wherever we go um, to our good friend uh, Paul McGee in the UK keeps on blasting it out we thank you for your support and again like uh, always we'll we'll really appreciate any feedback you can give us and any sort of rating you can give on behalf of everyone at Voices of Value we say thank you to Bob Murphy absolute AFL royalty as uh, Pete introduced him and we look forward to your feedback on this wonderful episode thanks Bob We trust you enjoyed listening to Voices of Value, a shared conversation between Rick Rushton, Peter Kakos and their valued guests. Their views are not necessarily those of the wider world, but they should be. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify or your preferred podcast source and we love to hear both your feedback and ratings on the content we provide. Additional information can be sourced through our website, VoicesOfValuePodcast.com. Join the conversation again next week when Peter and Rick continue the search for truth, justice, and the value-added way.